Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. That's the intro of the show. Wow, just powering through. Wow. Uh, hi, I'm Allison, and uh, Eric's here with me today. Oh, I'm here. Uh, how's it going? Uh, I just got off work. Yeah, I just woke up, and Eric is fresh off a, how many hours? Nine-hour shift? shift. Normal shift, but at a weird time. Yes, I work overnights now. How's the job going? Uh, it's great. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah, Eric it's works for the Citizen app. I work for the Citizen app. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's intense. It's like a very steep learning curve. Yeah, but are you having fun? Yeah, it's super fun. That's awesome. It's super engaging. It's I like don't like uh, it's just like you're active pretty much the entire time. So like. I don't, even though I'm, like, sitting down and staring at a computer, literally, my entire job, Uh like, sitting down staring at a computer with noise-canceling headphones on. Yeah. (laughs) Just, like, in my own world. It's, it's like, constantly engaging, so there's no, like, no time to feel tired. (laughs) What's the weirdest thing you've seen yet? Um... Because the Citizen app can range from, like... A bank is being held up. Yeah. To there's a man shouting on the corner. Yeah. There were multiple ones uh, of like people. Ca- last night, weirdly, multiple, uh, probably three or four different people uh, called 911 uh, because they were being attacked by a cat. <laughs> <laughs> like the same neighborhood? No, different neighborhoods. Oh my God. Multiple what's happening? people what's were happening? being attacked by cats. Is it starting? <laughs> Is it starting? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was wild. That it was is very strange. So wild. Yeah, I th- I fully thought you were gonna say something about drunk people because I was walking home from a writers meeting last night mm. and there were like a weird amount of fully intoxicated people. And I'm saying this for New York, New York City. There oh, seemed yeah. to be like more than usual, which mm-hmm. is telling you s- something yeah. quite significant because usually there's a lot of drunk people. I think people would be shocked if they knew how much of our uh, emergency services gets dedicated to just dealing with drunk people. Oh my God, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's uh, a lot. Because <laughs> there were like people who were like dressed very nice mm-hmm. who I could feel were just seconds away from being fully belligerent. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it, it ranges from like calling because a drunk person is being like aggressive or threatening to people to calling ambulances because drunk people can't move to yeah. they need to go to the hospital because they're too yeah. intoxicated. I mean, it like and I'm at the age now where like if I see a very drunk girl, uh-huh. I'm like, let me hang around for a little bit. Because yeah. honestly, I'm like, I I don't know if you're with good people. Right. I don't know if you know where you are right now. Yeah. Um. Last night, I got home and my neighbor was on the stoop and I was like, oh hey, what's up? And she was like, get inside, get inside. And I was like, what's going on? And she's like, did you see that drunk guy? And I was like no what happened she's like this drunk dude was following her like followed her all the way back to the apartment so she's like freaked out now because she's like he knows where i live um but yeah i don't know what's going on there's like something in the air i feel like this always happens every year around halloween people Mm -hmm. get like real freaky right yeah it's it's wild yeah so guys if you're new to light trees and news here's how it works uh, first third of the show, we give our pop culture recommendations. Then we get into bad news. But don't worry, we end every episode with your good news. Nice. So while we're in the pop culture section, Eric, mm. I saw Joker. Oh, I did too. Okay, so let's unpack our feelings. Mm-hmm. My main takeaway from the film yeah. was I can't believe we've talked so much about what is essentially... A very boring, pretentious movie. Mm, Interesting. I was just like, there's not even anything interesting that happens during it. It is largely a frame-by-frame ripoff of other films. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, like, (laughs) Todd Glass has been very public about talking about how Taxi Driver and uh, King of Comedy Mm -hmm. and Dark Knight influenced him. And I was like, yeah, 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 going in. 
But then I saw it and I was like, oh, you just fully ripped off these movies. It's not an homage to mm-hmm. any of these movies. It's like you trying to put a comic book movie in those universes to uh-huh. elevate material that you apparently think needs to be elevated. Right. Beyond how it's already been elevated by like Chris Nolan mm-hmm. and better. Right. Way better with Heath Ledger, too. Mm-hmm. Um also, I just want to say something because one of my other recommendations is going to be uh, El Camino. Robert Forster died mm-hmm. last night. Yes. And a couple nights ago for you guys. And he, I guess the last movie he did was El Camino. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been a fan of his for a long time. <laughs> I thank God I didn't tweet this, but I was watching El Camino and I was about to tweet Robert Forster, still hot. <laughs> and then he died like hours later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's still a compliment right before he died the dude was still hot mm-hmm. but like if you watch his performance in El Camino or like Jackie Brown which mm-hmm. I think is Tarantino's most underrated film and arguably his best one yeah um, if you watch that performance to me I really hate how now these days like best acting quote unquote uh-huh. goes to most acting right because Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor um, I think he's Doing a lot in Joker, uh-huh. but I hate how best actor now is just automatically the guy who's acting the most. Because if yeah. you look at a guy like Robert Forrester, every single performance was understated, mm-hmm. restrained, quietly powerful. Right. He was a phenomenal actor. And he did get nominated for an Oscar for Jackie Brown, but I feel like he never got as much credit as he deserved because he's not chewing the fucking scenery mm. every single second. Yeah. Which Joaquin Phoenix is in The Joker. Yeah, for sure. Also, it made me realize how The Joker is only powerful in small doses. Mm-hmm. The more we see The Joker, the yeah. less powerful he gets. Right. Um, And I think that's why Dark Knight was, like, the height of Joker. Mm -hmm. Where it was, like, Nolan, for all of his failings, and there are many of them, knew that you had to have moments of the Joker. And, like, Heath Ledger was fucking incredible and gave a really good performance. Uh, But can you imagine if he had been in the Dark Knight, like, 90% of the film? It would have been way too much. It would have not been scary. Right. Also... I'm just like, at this time in our culture right now, I don't want to see a dude running around shooting people (laughs) on the subway. Like Uh nightmare situations where somebody could be shooting someone on the subway, even though he's shooting Wall Street guys, which I guess we're supposed to feel okay about (laughs) because they're Wall Street guys. (laughs) It's like, um, and like spoilers, I guess, if you have not seen the Joker yet, uh, shooting uh, Robert De Niro in the face on Mm. live television. Right. Like, I know he's supposed to be, like, Arthur's supposed to be a disturbed man, but especially at this time in our culture, I'm like, who the fuck is this for? Right. Like, I, it's not revealing in any kind of interesting way. We, Arthur doesn't really have any kind of interesting motive. Like, he starts to get into budget cuts, but not really. Starts to get into mental health services, but not really. Starts to explore, like, socioeconomic divides, but not really. He keeps pulling back whenever it might get interesting. Mm-hmm. And it feels like he was fully afraid to commit to anything, which I don't know why anybody's calling this movie brave. To me, it felt like very cowardly and pretentious. Yeah. How'd you feel about it? Though? I do not agree. Okay. Uh, but I don't, I mean, I, I I don't agree, but I will say that I don't think the opposite. How did you like, I think, how did you feel after you saw it? I just felt like it was a fun movie. You thought it was fun? Not fun in like, an action way. I just, I mean, like, I just enjoyed going to see it. What about it was fun for you? I just, uh, I liked the idea of a character study as opposed to a action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was just an interesting take because it's not a, because one, it's not supposed to exist within the actual, like, DC universe or like the actual Batman canon. It's just supposed to be its own thing. So I thought it was like an interesting way to a- approach that. Even though uh, Batman's in it. Right, 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 right. In a really ham fisted way. Yes. Uh embarrassingly so. When he yeah. when he comes down the pole, <laughs> I was like, what it the fuck is actually mm-hmm. happening right now? Right. Um but yeah, I guess it's like why you why do you find the Joker scary? 
Because for me, what's scary about the Joker is we don't know his backstory, mm-hmm. which has been like canon in most right. of the comic books. Right. He tells a lot of different stories, which I loved and how you never Nolan know what's real. how Nolan handled that. Yeah, where he has he tells people multiple backstories, mm-hmm. and to me that was so scary because right. right. I was like, who the fuck is this man? Right. Um, and does he believe all the different stories? Like that, I found to be right. the most true, terrifying interpretation of the Joker. They kind of play. I I will say I agree a little bit with your take on that they don't commit to anything. And I don't know if it was a choice they made and maybe under-delivered on. It seemed to me like they were trying to do the thing of, like, we're going to show you a movie. And at the end, you're not going to know which parts are real and which parts aren't. Which, like, fart. Like, you know, we've seen that so many different times. Fight Club did it pretty well. well. I think that was... I mean, I don't know anything about, like, you, you know, their inner thoughts. I'm just going based on seeing the movie. Mm. It seemed to me like they were using that as a way of dealing with the the idea that the Joker, like, there's no, tr- like, there's no truth. Like, you don't know what's true. Yeah, but to me what's scarier is a man who projects that right. he is insane but is actually capable enough of becoming eventually the like head honcho, which is what happens with Joker. Right. Um, versus a dude who is actually mentally ill. Well, this was my biggest issue with the movie. Uh, and if, I mean, uh, I'm just going to say some spoilers, so uh, don't listen if you don't want to hear That's okay. Me. I'm going to put spoilers uh, in the title of this. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I did not like about the movie, like I viscerally did not like, was that they sort of, like I said, they sort of just like hint around this like, oh, he's having a psychotic break. We're going to show you a bunch of stuff and you don't know which part's real and which part's not. But then he like directly talks about having mental illness. And <sighs> I thought that was really lame. It, yeah, it was. Because like if you talk about having mental illness, then it's like. It's one of those things that, like, there's, like, the, the classic idiom of, like, you don't know if you're crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't, like, if you're having a psychotic break, you don't actually know what's real and what's not. He seems to, like, he talks about, like, oh, I have mental illness. I have mental he's illness. He's, like, too aware. Yeah, it's weird. It yeah. makes it, it made it weird for me. I where mean, it's like also, there's obviously the, the danger of conflating people with mental illnesses with people who commit acts of yes, violence absolutely, obviously of like that's very dangerous yeah. uh, and also sti- statistically not true most of the time right um people with mental illnesses tend to be the victims of violent mm, crimes right. i would say let me say something nice about the film um before i say more bad things <laughs> i think the most effective scene is the scene in the apartment where he stabs the dude yeah. I think that's really well done. I that think was a legitimately creepy... Very scary. Yeah. Very scary, very tense. Um, you know, like, I don't... Making a little person uh, the butt of a joke, I don't know. Yeah. And the fact that they're little wh- is the joke. Right. Um, you know, there's a question of taste. That's the first part of the movie where you get the sense that he might be, like, evil. Yes. Because his... F- Earlier killings are all, like, in self-defense or, like... That's when he's, like, turning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. The blo- I just like the blocking of it. I thought the choreography was really good. I thought the acting was very good I from everybody. S- I did see an interesting interview with Joaquin where he talks about uh, the the scene with... The, the sort of, like, climax, the scene with Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. That... After his very long speech. Right. Ugh. Uh, I read that... He, like, they filmed that scene multiple different ways. Okay. And, like, different moods. And, like, him delivering in different ways. Like, he did some where he was crying instead of angry. Mm-hmm. Laughing instead of angry. You know, they, he filmed a lot of different takes. Mm-hmm. And he actually didn't, I don't want to say didn't like, but he, he, there was another way they did it. And he doesn't say how. But there was another way that he did it that he thought was better. Mm. But... I guess ultimately Todd, not up to him. <laughs> yeah, Todd didn't feel like it fit the rest of the movie. Sure, and so I was really disappointed in that scene. And this, yes, is, and I'm talking about a film that was already disappointing to me. But yeah. that was just so flat. It was really boring. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I think I would love to see and maybe when they release it on 
you know, uh, I don't know if people release Super DVDs anymore. Yeah, extended. Well, I but think they still release DVDs just for that kind of <laughs> right. additional footage. Yeah. But I'd like to see if they if they have that like the alternate ending mm. of like how he wanted it. I'd I like they, to see that. I bet they will never release that. Probably not because the director I don't think would but direct, release yeah, it. Yeah, I think. Well, my ultimate take was that I just went and had a good time, <laughs> and I felt like. I didn't feel like it was as bad as the negative reviews, but I also didn't think it was a movie deserving of being like the greatest movie of the year. I just didn't understand what was frustrating about all of this was everybody was having a conversation about the idea of the movie they thought it would be. Right. And ultimately no one had seen it yet. Yeah. There was just this insane buzz from, was it Toronto? Where did they? Oh no, it was Italy. It was Italy. Uh, Ven- uh, Venice? Yeah, I the Venice remember. Film Festival. Yeah, it so. won like the Golden yeah. Award, which is insane right. that it won that. Yeah, but that starts to generate a lot of buzz. Like this could be a Best Picture contender, right. and then there was the backlash where it was like this is incel culture, and no one had seen the right. film yet. Right. And I was like, why are we devoting this much conversation, this much ink to an idea of a movie no one has seen yet? Yeah, I mean, it was weird. Like they talked about like people were like people who hadn't seen it were talking about how violent it was going to be, and uh, ultimately, it doesn't end up being that violent. There's some parts. Oh, it's violent. Like, it's very violent. He, I mean, he goes on mass shootings. He shoots somebody in the face. He stabs a dude to death. It's very violent. Yeah, but uh, I mean, uh, there are violent parts, but ultimately, he only kills like maybe <laughs> ten or less people. <laughs> Eric, so your definition of a violent film is if you kill more than ten people. No, but I'm saying like, <laughs> like. There are movies like John Wick that are he kills way more people and the people don't talk about being a super violent. I movie. guess it's the style of how you're killing them. Yeah, maybe. For like John Wick, right. I feel like it's almost more like watching a ballet. Like it's so choreographed. Yeah. It's so beautiful to watch. Right. Uh, the way it's stylized sort of de heightens the violence in a way. Right. Whereas this is like visceral violence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's dark. very real. Oh, it's certainly dark. I just mean like uh, people. Uh, Ultimately, who maybe had not seen it, or it, it sounded like he was going to kill hundreds of people. Yeah, there's and no like, uh, like during the uprising, it's largely bloodless at the very at end. At least that you see. That you see. Yeah. It's implied that there's going to be horrific violence right, in like right. 30 seconds. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I should also say, like, the treatment of women in this film is very bad, uh, particularly mm. women of color who are put into the role of. Um, largely service workers mm-hmm. who are there to either give Arthur emotional or mental health support or be a fantasy, like a sexual fantasy for him. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I, th- I was very, very angry at the director that he didn't show that the Joker killed her. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, you fucking coward. You introduce yeah. this woman who does nothing this entire film. Also a great actress. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever seen Atlanta, she's a really, mm. really, really good actress who got a really fucking bad part. Um, and so she's just, just there to be a fantasy for Arthur. He murders her at the end, and maybe her daughter too. We don't mm. see this. Right. And then we just see Arthur walking in the hallway, and I'm like, "You fucking coward!" At least show him killing her. Right. Like, is this a bad guy? Because this, if this is a bad guy, at least show us what happened to this woman. Like, it was just such a disgusting treatment. Yeah, any woman in that movie. I think, like, again, I think, I just wonder if he just underdelivered on uh, his take on like, I'm gonna try to make things vague so you don't know what's real and what's not. And so I, I fully think he he got he he just shit the bed at the end where he was like, it's too much, it's too much, it's too much, and he just like pulled back, and I'm like, dude, if you're gonna do this, right. fucking do it, and mm-hmm. at least like do something that's interesting, because this is not interesting what you've right, done. Right. This is like a watered down version of better shit we've already seen. Yeah. And the reason that it's getting so much praise, it's from sixty year old dudes who are like, oh, I like Taxi Driver. This right. is like that. This is good then. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, dum dum. It's just like <laughs> a bad remake of something that already exists and we don't need it. That was my main takeaway from watching it. I was like, this was unnecessary. <laughs> like we did not need this. Right. We did not need to talk about it this much, which I'm I'm realizing I'm undercutting that point by devoting this much time <laughs> to talking about it. But I just hope it's like a cautionary tale for people in the future. Like I really worry about us that we 
immediately go to an 11 on the emotional scale about absolutely everything. Yeah. And it's like, did we need to respond this strongly to a movie no one had seen yet? No, of course not. Like, for our own health, like, chill for a second. Maybe we don't need to freak out about this thing that ultimately will not even be that important. It made a lot of money, but yeah. I, I don't, nobody's going to go out and, like, start killing women because of Joker. No, I, I think what's... There's this weird impulse where people just have to be... I don't know. It's weird because it's like... It's sort of its own self-fulfilling prophecy because it's like people are talking about it being culturally relevant made it culturally relevant. Sure. And, and I, you know, yeah, and I d- we'll never get the experience of it just coming out yeah. and seeing what happens afterwards. It was like all the hype means it's relevant. And I should say too, like I understand why that that impulse was there. Like incel culture is a real thing. Um, right. We're dealing with a, a moment in time where uh, violent misogyny is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are these like gross little enclaves online of men who just get together to hate women right. and share like violent images of them. Mm-hmm. So it, it's real. And I understand why this was a trigger for a lot of people. But at the same time, if you go see it, you're left just thinking like, really, this was the thing that got everybody Mm -hmm. so emotional Um, on both sides. Like even like the MRAs freaking Uh out before it had even come out. It's like you haven't seen this movie yet. (laughs) You don't know if it supports your views. Like everybody just decided what it was about. And ultimately it was about nothing. It was a big nothing burger. Yeah. I think like. Yeah, it's just so uh, it's just so strange I think the impulse. I mean, I get it. I just, you know, uh, this constant need to like re like I just wish people would make new movies. Yeah. And I love Yes. I will say I'm not a big comic book guy. And I of all the like comic book, you know, whatever you want to call it, like superhero like universes, I think Batman's my favorite. The one I'm the only one I'm like really like any type of way like nerdy about like the Batman universe itself. It's the only thing I've ever like I watched it as a kid like the animated series I mean, all that stuff. DC has better villains. Yeah, to me that's what makes DC interesting. Right, but even then I'm like I don't need more Batman movies. I wish somebody no, would just do fuck. something like even if it's good, even if it's good. I'm just like I I just want to see another. Just make something new. I'm deeply afraid there's going to be a sequel. Because the way it ended, I was like, oh, yeah. fuck. They did leave the door open. And it's making so much money. I'm sure they'll talk about it. I d- my guess is, I mean, I heard a rumor. And I don't know how uh, substantial a rumor is. I heard somebody saying that people are looking to making like a Two-Face movie. <laughs> it's just like, uh, we just oh don't need any God. of this. I yeah. just wish like people would just make a new movie. Yeah, because because we don't need to keep rehashing the same universe to death until nobody cares anymore. If we make new movies, we can see different viewpoints from different kinds of people who are not like um, disturbed white dude and his feelings again. (laughs) Am I talking about Batman or Joker? Who knows? (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's move on. We absolutely must. So, did you see Phoebe Waller Bridge on SNL? No, I haven't caught up yet. Oh, she's so good. She's, like, made for the show, mm-hmm. obviously. She's yeah. very funny. Yeah. Like, in the monologue, I was like, oh, she has such phenomenal comedic timing. Right. Oh, she's so good. And also, uh, her uh, one-woman show roots, like, really came out. Like, mm-hmm. coming out and having a monologue like that. Right, I was like, oh, right. I absolutely would have spent lots of money to see your one-woman show in London. Yeah, when, totally. When Fleabag was a one-woman show. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's so good. Yeah, I need to catch up. I haven't seen it. Sketches are... I, let me say this. Uh, the non-political sketch is very good. Yeah. Very, very good. Very funny. I uh, can't remember the last time they had a really good political sketch. I, I feel, I get the sense that everybody's very tired. Yeah. Of just talking about, like, Trump and politics in general, and I fully get that. And I fully understand why they have to do it, because they're SNL and people would be like, why are there no political sketches? Right. There have to be uh, timely sketches on the show. Well, my problem is that they, SNL, like, they're political sketches are just them reenacting things that happen which yeah like they don't find a take and like heighten it to absurdity to like be funny you know like when they would do sketches about clinton they were like he would be like in a mcdonald's which is like a dumb joke but it was kind of funny you know like they all had like weird tics and stuff like that but now it's just like 
hey, you know that news story? We're just going to do it. They do lean really heavily on like behavioral stuff, like Kate McKinnon playing Giuliani, like yeah. the hands. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. lot of like physical comedy that right. she's amazing at, mm-hmm. but they lean really heavily on it. I think because very little uh, is funny that's happening right, <laughs> right. now. And it's yeah. sort of like, well, it's funny. Kate's making a funny face. Right. Let's just focus on that, which I'm okay with. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch Kate McKinnon make sure. a funny face. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, have you seen, this is just me going to ask, I'm going to be asking, have you seen a bunch of stuff that you have not seen? Yes. Uh, Between Two Ferns on Netflix? The movie? I've not watched the movie yet. I really want to see it, though, because I've heard it's great, <laughs> and I've seen all of the web-like yeah, series so that I, I love. Basically, I realized I had seen the movie, basically, by watching web clips of it. Right. Because it's not very long. Right, 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 And I was like, oh, I'll watch the Paul Rudd interview. I'll watch the Matthew McConaughey interview. Yeah. And by the time I saw the movie, I was like, oh, I've seen most of this. <laughs> but it's still very funny. Uh, you know, I've heard some criticism of it that part of what made the the Funnier Die series so funny is there are these extended moments of silence, like yeah. awkward, awkward silence. Right. Uh, that are so funny. Uh-huh. And in the movie, they really edit those down. So it's like the interviews go very fast at a good pace. Uh, I don't know, though. I, I still thought it was very funny. Yeah, I want to see it. I've heard good. I've, yeah. I've only heard good things about it. Speaking of good, funny things, mm-hmm. I finally saw The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, nice. So fucking good. But I was surprised because... When I saw the cast, when I heard what it was about, I was like, okay, this is going to be like rapid fire jokes. Right. And it's not it's that. It's not. It's no. not that at all. It's like, it is very funny. Yeah. But it's also just like a good fucking story. Yeah. I and it, it was like great. tugs at your heartstrings. And I care about the characters. For and sure. I was like, this is really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a good show. Yeah. And it's also very funny. Yeah. It's very well done. I think Danny McBride is so interesting. Yeah. I went to his like Wikipedia and I started watching his interviews and I just like really fell down a Danny McBride rabbit hole because he does not fit in Hollywood at all. In he's fact, w- he moved. He now lives like in the South. He's a weird guy in that like he has this thing that a lot of like comedians of his ilk like a like a Will Ferrell does where he's like he kind of does the same thing all the time. He absolutely does. But it's still interesting. It works. It works every time. And he's always making interesting choices, even though he's doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I, I don't think he has a range, but the, the spot he's in, I dig, you know, where I'm like, I don't want you to go out of that (laughs) range, you know, he's really good at what he does. Yeah. And I think Will Ferrell is a good comparison that you made, which is, same thing. Right. Although I, I think Will Ferrell has a little bit more of a range. He has range. a little bit more range now, but a lot of his comedies, he's always playing the same kind of character yeah. a little bit. Like uh, Will Ferrell also in Between Two Ferns. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as Zach Galifianakis' his boss. <laughs> and he plays himself. Nice. Because funnier die. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and then finally, I already talked about it a little bit. I watched El Camino, mm-hmm. which is the sequel movie to Breaking Bad yeah. on Netflix. Um, I really liked it. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of people reviewing it who are saying it's like a lukewarm reception, I would say. Here's what I'll say. It's a, g- it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. And you will like it if you are into the Breaking Bad universe. Right. If you miss that world, if you miss those characters, watch it. Right. It's like, I don't know. I think it's really good storytelling. It's paced really well. It's it's two hours and it goes really fast, I think. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting yeah. is that probably a lot of that Luke Rome reception, and this is just speculation, but like a lot of people that are invested in this show probably watch it and they're like, it doesn't really mm-hmm. live up. You're like talking about a show that had hundreds of hours yeah. to develop yeah. really slowly, which is where a lot of the good part of the show comes from. Yeah. So you know interesting I mean? crossover here. The bad guy in Righteous Gemstones is also the bad guy in El Camino. Oh, okay. And he is great, yeah. but there's not enough time to develop him yeah, as a bad exactly. guy. But I, having said that, there's an inc- the introduction of his character is an incredibly tense scene. So like, what they do achieve is impressive, right. given that they only had two hours to do it. Right. I think that's why uh, people love shows like Breaking Bad, because it's not... A, it's not a, I mean, it is a TV show, obviously, but it's... It's more like a extremely long movie. Yeah. A and, lo- and that's what a lot of like good TV shows do now, which is like we're going to tell 
one huge story over hundreds of hours with insane character development because we have all this time now. I heard an interesting conversation the other day about how, like, would the Americans or Breaking Bad be possible today? Because mm. they're slow burns. Yeah. Like, you really have to stick with them for multiple seasons, and then it gets bananas. Yeah. But I feel like our attention span, and this isn't me being like an uh, old woman back in the day, things were better. I feel like we that long ago. fundamentally <laughs> watch things differently now, yeah. though. I mean, even a handful of years ago, we watched things differently than we do now. Yeah. Like, I started watching The Americans when I had a DVR. Yeah, I think as a, I think now it's less about the long series and more about the mini series mm -hmm. people love a, a good like seven or eight Ooh, love it episode mini series love it and then you can do a second season but it's basically like another show it's the same world but it's a different timeline like a you true know? detective kind yeah, of. yeah exactly it's like you can do one season and if you come back for another one it can be a continuation or it can just be like okay we're in the same world but we're now we're following a different storyline yeah which is like I like that, but you also lose out on, like, Breaking Bad had one of the richest universes ever. Yeah, for ever. sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, somebody just floated the idea of Gus having sort of a, a like, a Jesse movie right. or, like, maybe, like, a Better Call Saul series. And mm. I was like, oh, I'd watch that in yeah, a second yeah. to see Gus come up as a drug lord. Yeah. Like, that would be so interesting. And that actor's phenomenal. Yeah, for um, sure. But that's how rich the universe is. Like, we were just talking about, like, kill me if they make another Batman movie. Yeah. But if they make another Breaking Bad movie, sure. I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'll yeah, watch yeah. that in a second. I right. love that universe. Um, so, yeah, if you're a Breaking Bad fan, watch it. Nice. For sure. It's a little weird that it's, like, you know, six years later and, right. like, people look different now. True. And they're, right. they're playing the same character, like, minutes after you saw them last time. Right. But you know what? Let's forgive. Just let it go. Let it fucking go, guys. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Jesse looks different. Yeah. Let it go. <laughs> He's aging like right. everybody else. <laughs> Leave him alone. Sure. Aaron Paul's a nice man. <laughs> okay. Um, any recommendations? Uh, I watched the uh, Gary Goldman special, The Depression. So people are raving about it. I. It's awesome. Yeah. I love Gary. He's yeah. so great. He has one of the best Twitters. I met uh, him years and years and years and years ago. Yeah. Um, and he is so sweet. And he's just, like, so sincere. That's what he comes across as on stage. Yeah. It seems like he's a very just, like, sweet, genuine man. Yeah. And his it's, it's really good. Yeah. I loved it. I was so surprised that, because, you know, he went away for a little bit because uh -huh. he was dealing with some stuff. Yeah. And as he calls it the depression. The depression. Uh -huh. And nobody heard from him for a while. And then he came back and, like, I was surprised because, you know, obviously his act has changed a lot because now he's talking about, like, real personal stuff. Yeah. Um, but I never would have predicted, like, he would have been the guy to sort of right. break through, like, the alt comedy scene. Yeah. Because he wasn't that kind of comic, right. you know? Um, but, yeah, when you start actually being sincere and talking about real shit turns out people like that yeah <laughs> go one figure i'll say one thing that i found uh, i know we can't spend much time on it but uh one thing i thought was very interesting about the special is that i'm not like uh, a guy that uh, is like oh it's better if you're like a clean comic or whatever mm. but i laughed out loud multiple times about the special like watching it alone in my room and like it's all just very like kind of like polite sweet jokes yeah and, I and think you don't have to be like edgy or offensive or like yeah. weird he's just like tells like really like i mean in a way that is edgy because yeah. like paul f tompkins is a quote-unquote clean comic yeah but he seems so edgy because of that where it's, it's so like funny. or like mulaney mulaney is a fairly clean comic yeah yeah and he stands out because he's not doing what every other dude does which is get up on stage and be like my dick right you know like which, whatever. Um, I, I like a lot of dirty comics. Right. So, you know, no shade against them. But, you know, that's like the standard now. No, so when you don't do that, it's sort of like, oh, what is this? And it's really weird, like, seeing a lot of comedy and then, like, watching a special where, like, he tells jokes about, like, millennials saying literally. Mm. And it's really funny. It's really weird. Like, because you're, like just premise alone you're like that's so hacky and then yes. he does it and i'm like it's it's funny yeah yeah yeah. he does it in a funny <laughs> way um 
I realized I just mentioned a bunch of dude comics, so I want to balance it out. Like, I was thinking the other day about, like, Joe Firestone or Aparna. Mm. And I was just like, they're, again, both technically, like, clean-ish comics. Yeah. Oh, God. Aparna just destroys. Destroys. And, like, will come in with uh, something she just wrote down that she saw on the way Uh to, like, the club. And she's like, I just saw this happen. And, like, destroy. Yeah. Uh, She tells, like, yeah, yeah, like, the funniest, like. I don't know, like, when when she did our show, I was just like, this is insane. Like, she's telling the most, like, direct, just, like, like obvious, not obvious, like, in the way that she writes it, but just, like, just normal, everyday stuff. But it's the way she thinks and yeah. the way she, like, communicates it. Yeah. She's just a fucking and just genius. Ke- and just destroy. I was dying. Mm-hmm. It was like, she's, she's so good. Uh, we must move on. Yes. Guys. Do you have pop culture recommendations? How did you feel about anything uh, we just talked about? Hashtag light treason pod uh it's that time of the show let's all hold hands and cry here's your bad news let's talk about syria oh my favorite subject oh boy (laughs) So, uh, as we all know by now, Trump announced uh, that... Okay, so there's what Trump said and then the truth, (laughs) (laughs) which is always the case. Mm -hmm. So, he announced that uh, the U.S. would be withdrawing troops from Syria. Mm -hmm. That is not true uh, entirely. No. Uh, So... Who reported this? Let me actually credit them. Spencer Ackerman reported that Mm. two knowledgeable U.S. officials confirmed to the Daily Beast that um, after following this announcement, the U.S. military has only pulled back from northern Syria, not pulled out entirely. Mm -hmm. It abandoned two small observation posts in the area Turkey has now invaded. Around 50 service members have moved to a larger base, something both officials described as a force protection measure Protection amid the already bloody Turkish incursion, protection that no longer exists for the Kurdish force that the U.S. relied upon to assault the so-called Islamic State. None of the roughly 1,000 U.S. troops have actually left Syria since Trump's fateful Sunday phone call uh, with Erdogan. So I think that's important to note that mm-hmm. they haven't like fully left Syria. No, they just moved them out of an area. They just moved them. But... Even having said that, there have been repercussions. Um, There was a prison break, uh, a bombing claimed by uh, uh, ISIS um, have made people, you know, sort of say, like, we've abandoned uh, the area, we've abandoned uh, the Syrians, Mm -hmm. Uh, we have blood on our hands. I mean, we always have blood on our hands (laughs) regardless. But, you know, like, that this was um, a failing of Trump's. Yeah. I mean, is is there, like, a bigger punching bag on the international stage than the Kurds? (laughs) No, truly no. (laughs) Like, no. It's just, like, they're constantly, like, helping us and then we're like cool fuck thanks you. fuck you uh, I mean, like, now we're gonna allow turkey to invade and murder you yeah like uh truly going back to saddam and right. and all of that <laughs> business when we <laughs> liked him until we didn't like him it's just uh, yeah it's wild um we were like sorry kurds um sorry if you get gassed we like this guy right now yeah and then it was like oh wait we don't like him yeah um but there's this argument happening now between some people on the left were cheering Trump's decision because they saw it as a reversal of this sort of militaristic U.S. policy, which it's absolutely not. I mean, you yeah, it's not. I mean, you I don't know if I agree with that, but you could make that argument if he was pulling all of our troops out of Syria. Which he's not. And being like, hey, we're getting out of this, like, deal with it on your own terms. But even that is, like, hugely controversial. Because super controversial. Yeah, of course. But, like... U.S. troops being stationed in Syria sometimes is held up as an example of good U.S. military power. Right. right, Because there is a fear that... I mean, there's already been so much bloodshed in Syria, but Mm. there is a fear that if we pulled out entirely, there would be a total genocide. Yeah. Um, 
who the hell knows if that's true or not. Right. I think a lot of that is like reading tea leaves. But, right, right. you know, the people on the left who try to pers- tried to portray like UN peacekeepers as being like monsters. I, I'm yeah, kind of like. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Because like. Come on. I mean. Yeah. I I think like. I, I don't agree with it, but I think you could at least make the argument. I mean, I think you'd be wrong, but like. If he was pulling all the troops out, there are people that are, like, complete, uh, total, like, isolationist, like, no troops anywhere abroad. Right. Like, And that that works until <laughs> citizens are getting killed yeah. by, you know, right. or and civilians are getting killed by some kind of, you know, right. horrible terrorist organization. And then you have to have a conversation where it's like, well, do we ever intervene? Right. And when should we intervene? Like, how many people should die before we intervene? Right. But what's funny is that this is not even that. Yeah, no, no, this no, no. It's no. just Trump saying, we're going to move some troops out of the way so Turkey can come in and kill the Kurds. Yes. That's basically all that happened. Yeah. And then he made did, like, this big press conference to pass himself off as, like, ending a war or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they really tried to rebrand it. He was it like, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just like, you didn't do anything. You yeah. just allowed Turkey to murder Kurds and possibly, like... I read some story like during the Turkish invasion, like a jail was bombed and like a bunch of ISIS fighters yeah. uh, escaped. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. there was just a big hole in the jail yeah. now, so they just left. Yeah. So like now you're uh, you're possibly helping ISIS as well. It's right. Just, like, it's just a whole fucking mess because because Trump doesn't know anything. He doesn't know what he's doing. Nobody around him knows what he's. Well, doing. Well, he doesn't know what he's doing, but also. N- very few Americans, myself included, fully understand what's happening in Syria. So, like, yeah. it's it's basically, like, a bunch of people who don't really understand the situation listening to a guy who definitely doesn't understand <laughs> the situation. Uh, and, yeah, ultimately, as as always happens in our history, the Kurds are the ones uh, getting fucked. Yeah. So that's why it's in the bad news section, everybody. Because oh, our president just loves deals. He loves making deals. Yes. Um so what else did i want to talk about oh yeah why did i put that in the bad news section um hold on okay yeah we're good so let's talk about matt lauer oh woof okay so ronan farrow who is one of the greatest heroes of our time it's his rise to like wow uh (laughs) he Came out, not out of nowhere, but, like, basically, like, didn't have much of a career to being, like, uh, having, just, like, being one of the most intrepid, like, Well, I remember when like he was just, like, he had a show on MSNBC. Yeah. And everybody was, like, what? <laughs> Mia Farrow's son? Yeah, right. What? Well, and, like, like there, was, there was actually, like, a lot of hostility where it was, like, this is nepotism. Why is this guy here? Well, certainly what it seemed like because it was, like, why does this guy have a show? Like, Turns out <laughs> he's an incredible investigative <laughs> he journalist. breaking stories and, like. And, like, to me, his, his whole backstory, his whole history is so moving because, like, Mia Farrow, um, Okay, Woody Allen uh, was his adoptive father. Yeah. And, you know, there's some rumors that um, maybe Frank Sinatra was his biological father right. and blah, blah, blah. Right. But anyway, so, like, everything happened with Dylan Farrow. Right. Um, you know, she accused Woody Allen of having uh, raped her when she was a child. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, they had to go to court over it, and, you know, a judge believed her. Right. Um, and... Obviously, uh, I believe her. I believe everything she says. And Ronan believed her as well and has been, like, an incredible ally for his sister. And, I like, that, knowing that's his backstory, the fact that he has turned exposing sexual predators right. into his, like, beat, well, I think is so moving and it's so incredible. Well, I would say I think that's the reason. It is the reason. That's what I'm saying. Like he went from a guy who was just like a media guy. Yeah. Like not a journalist, just like a guy who has to be in the media because he comes from a famous family and is like, I can't do anything else except be in the media. And he's got this famous Hollywood family mm-hmm. dealing with all of these issues. And it was just sort of like when he got his hands on the Weinstein thing, just like turned into this crusader yeah you know so his he's exposed all of these sexual predators um most famously harvey weinstein yeah. 
really like taken down a lot of very powerful men who are serial predators. Well, and it was also great. Where like and it's not just him, obviously, like other journalists and the victims who were so yeah. brave and talking to him. Well, that was, I think, like one of his big things was like. Obviously, like these people had come forth about Weinstein before, but he was like, I'm a guy with a huge platform. Right. Like so I have I access to power and I have a platform and I'm going to use it for good. And he's like, I can put out this story and like. He can't do anything to me. I mean, yeah. people can come after him, like lawyers and stuff. But he's like, I'm a, like, I have a national television show. Like, I can just do this. And it's so important for that to happen because uh, for a long time, none of this came out because of NDAs. Right. And Harvey Weinstein basically being like, I will come after you with the force of God right. if you come for me right. with my army of lawyers. Yeah. But once NDAs start to Claps. Mm -hmm. There's that domino effect. Right. So if you get like one victim on record, and then two more come mm -hmm. forward, and then three more come right. forward, they st the NDAs don't fucking matter at that <laughs> point. And that's sort of like more and more victims seeing that I think is really powerful mm -hmm. because threatening someone with the full extent of the law is really scary, especially yeah. when they can like take all of your money. Like I understand why people stay quiet, but when so many victims start coming forward then it's like you're not going to take them to court right yeah, um course. so anyways his latest investigative piece is about matt lauer and how um one of lauer's former colleagues brooke nevels uh who worked as a producer for today uh, uh co-anchor meredith vieira at the time of the sochi olympics uh accused lauer of violently raping her Mm -hmm. and th which is terrible enough but then she went to nbc news um bosses and told them what happened and they were sort of like uh don't make this a thing right to her credit uh brooke went to meredith vieira and meredith vieira freaked out mm -hmm. and was like you have to report this she like never spoke to matt lauer again right um, like that was like friendship ending moment for them. Right. And it seems like Meredith Vieira was the only person at NBC who reacted the <laughs> way you should have reacted, which was Matt Lauer raped you. Yeah. Like he is a criminal <laughs> who should be out of this organization and probably in jail. Right. right. Uh, so Matt Lauer put out a disgusting statement that I'm not going to read. Uh, basically, you know, saying it's not true, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, fucking wild yeah that this guy's walking around you know what was weird to me uh, maybe i think this is just because i grew up i wouldn't say in a sheltered place but like i'm just from like i'm just like a hick <laughs> so like sure. uh when i uh when i first i think i first heard about this when it, like with the o'reilly uh deal mm -hmm. but like it boggled my mind that all these companies were just like it happened with uh, I don't know if it happened with Weinstein, but it def yeah, it definitely happened with Weinstein. And but I first heard about the O'Reilly of like these guys get accused of rape, and their companies just pay off women. <laughs> and I was like, because it's easier. Yeah, and I had no idea that kind of like yeah, like tens of millions of dollars these companies are just paying out. And how they sort of frame it is. Would you rather go public with these accusations and basically have your life ruined? Right. Because people are going to say a lot of nasty shit about you. Right. And it's all anybody's ever going to think about you. Or would you rather keep it quiet and take the $20 million? Right. And then you have $20 million. Yeah. And I understand why a lot of victims are like, fuck, give me the money. Sure. Because I'm already, like, you've already hurt me. So it's done. Right. It's not going to happen again. It's not going mean, to. Nobody can undo it at this right, point, right? Right, right? So let me get something out of this at right. least. Versus, and that's why you can never undersell the incredible bravery of victims who come forward, right? Because it's like they get nothing. There's even no if, upside. Even, even if the they, justice. Even if they write a book, right, and right. they get the money for the book and blah blah blah, they still now have their name out there forever as victim of blank, right? And the enormous backlash and people saying horrible things about them. Right, right. The the mental toll it takes, you yeah. know, can never be undone by like however much money you make from a book. Right. And by the way, you don't make twenty million dollars from a book. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's and I mean for the companies it makes sense because it's like, well, this guy's gonna keep making us way more than twenty million dollars. Yeah. So we're like this is, you know, chump change. 
Also, above all else, you guys, Ann Curry was fucking right. She was fucking right this whole fucking time. Yeah. When she came forward years ago and said there is a bro culture at NBC News. Oh, yeah. It's sick. It's toxic. And Matt Lauer had her fucking fired. She mm. was right the whole time. Oh, yeah. Ann Curry, ne- we need to have like a national day of apology to Ann Curry <laughs> where we're like, we're sorry. Right. You were fucking right. You tried to raise a red flag about this motherfucker right. years ago and nobody listened to you. Yeah. Her and Meredith Vera were the only ones who were like, there's something fucking wrong here and we need right. to address it and nobody listened to them because they're women. Yeah. Listen to women. Okay, here's your good news. <laughs> Shep Smith. Mm, mm, oh mm. my god it happened guys so there has been an ongoing joke maybe 10 years in the making mm-hmm. on this show on my previous show that shep smith is the lone sane voice occasionally at fox news and appears it appears that like every few times a year he wakes up from like a coma <laughs> and he's like Whoa! and then he goes He's like the the sane voice on Fox News where he's like, the president's lying. Yeah. And suddenly you're like, Shep Smith. Yeah. So it finally happened. So, and by the way, Shep Smith has been with Fox News since its inception. Yeah, since the beginning. Since the very beginning. Uh, and he recently announced that he is stepping down <laughs> from Fox News. Wild. And I have to say, in classic Shep Smith fashion, his departing monologue uh, was kind of a sick burn a little bit of shade a little bit of shade where he was basically like um you know i really hope that uh we care about facts (laughs) 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 on this network uh Uh, but yeah apparently it surprised a lot of people at fox news yeah well i mean there was no like i mean i think traditionally it's like when a when somebody's getting ready to like give up a show or something it's like Hey, at the end of this year, when my contract's up, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to, you know, and they have six months to like build a new show. And like, I think people found out he was leaving during his ending monologue of that show. Yeah. Well, they, they cut to somebody. I can't distinguish one talking head from the next on Fox News because they all look the same. Yeah. But they were like flustered. They were like, whoa, uh, Chef Smith. Stepping <laughs> down. Like they were like visibly surprised. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm putting in the good news section because uh, I loved the shade on the way out. Apparently, yeah. he told a Time Magazine reporter last year, I wonder if I stopped delivering the facts, what would go in its place in this place that is most watched, most listened, most viewed, most trusted? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's like a whole bunch of conspiracy theories going around on Twitter because I guess recently Bob Barr had a meeting with Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> like this week, I think. Oh, my God. <laughs> Guys, succession is real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, also in good news, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, what the hell is going on with Rudy? His Giuliani? Ukraine henchmen have been arrested over a Trump Group donation. Businessmen Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman will reportedly appear in federal court in Virginia on Thursday. So they were arrested Wednesday on federal charges of violating campaign finance laws through a six-figure donation they facilitated to Trump's official super PAC. Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. Um, So, yeah, it's interesting to see all of these dirty guys uh, going down. It's also interesting and in no way surprising to see Trump throwing everybody under the bus. Oh, yeah. Like, anybody he can throw into the fire so he won't burn. He yeah. like he will sacrifice anyone to save his own skin. Yeah, I just saw a video on Twitter of like somebody asking Trump like classic for some reason they only ask, you can only ask Trump questions when he's about to get on a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Uh but he like somebody was asking him about like 
they asked him basically like is Juliana still your lawyer and he's like I don't know, I don't know. we'll see <laughs> who I don't who <laughs> I don't I'm not familiar with Rudy Giuliani I don't know uh, uh, but anyway so the connection between Parnas and Freeman and Giuliani are the two men assisted Giuliani uh, in his efforts to dig up dirt on uh, like Biden mm-hmm. so <laughs> like I I can't believe how bad these guys are at doing crime. Well, I mean, just the fact that Giuliano is over there looking for dirt. He's his personal lawyer. He's not a state lawyer. No. <laughs> he's not like, what are you doing? He doesn't work for the federal government. He's Donald Trump's personal lawyer. You can't go to Ukraine on state business. I don't think Rudy understands like the difference, <laughs> which is funny because he should know the law. But I think he thinks he does work for the government because he's like, but I work for the president. Right. So I'm in the government. It's like, Rudy, no. No. That's not how that works. Uh, but I'm there's I also there's something like with like a, a weird like trip to Vienna that they were supposed to go on that like I like I don't know that everything's terrible. Everything's like, terrible and so, so bad weird. at doing crimes. Yeah. Uh, also in similar news, uh, Marie Yanovich, 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 sure. uh, the former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, appeared before House impeachment investigators on Friday, telling them that she believed Trump pushed her for removal on the basis of false claims. So this is another person that Trump's like, get him out. <laughs> <laughs> they know too much. <laughs> get him out. Or they're getting in my way. They either know too much or they're getting in my way. Right. Uh, and they must be removed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it like. I, I, I said this so long ago, but I was like, there's no, the reason that all of these leaks are happening from the White House um, is that there's no loyalty in this group no, at not. all. And they will slit each other's throats to save themselves. And that was true at the beginning and very obvious at the beginning. And now it has just accelerated to the point where it's like a news item a day of Trump just throwing somebody under the bus to save himself because stuff is now starting to domino. Right. Well, it's like, yeah, like if you're, uh, if you're dirty and you're hiring people to do crimes for you, like those people are not good upstanding people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, and you haven't done anything to warrant their trust or loyalty. Like you haven't treated them well in any way. So like, why would you expect them to be loyal to you? Right. Um, and then finally, I wanted to talk about CNN's Presidential Candidates Forum on LGBTQ issues. Because yeah. a couple cool things happened during that. One of which, obviously, was Elizabeth Warren's viral moment. Her mm. sick-ass burn um, <laughs> when a uh, Morgan Cox, who's board chairman of the Human Rights Campaign... Mm-hmm. Uh, asked, let's say you're on the campaign trail and a supporter approaches you and says, Senator, I'm old-fashioned and my faith teaches me that marriage is between one man and one woman. What is your response? So Warren said, well, I'm going to assume it's a guy who said that, which is so funny. To me, that's like the undervalued line of that, Mm -hmm. where she's like, I'm just going to assume this is a man, correct? Okay. Well, I'm (laughs) going to assume it's a guy who said that, and I'm going to say, then just marry one woman. I'm totally cool with that, which got an applause break. Uh Uh-huh. And then <laughs> the clapping subdues a little bit, and she goes, assuming you can find one. Oh, snap. And then she should have snapped. I was <laughs> like, Elizabeth, just snap or drop the mic. That was so funny. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> although I saw somebody tweet this, and it's, I thought it was so funny. It's very cynical, but it was funny enough where I'm repeating it now, where someone was like, that was such a funny moment, but I'm dreading seeing the throw pillows with assuming <sighs> you can find one yeah. stitched into them first sale on the internet like probably right now oh absolutely. i just hate how everything like that Every is just single line is turned into merch it's turned into merch but then it's also just so overplayed where it's like that was a really funny moment now let's move on but it's like no let's just like everything's a hammer slogan. this into dust yeah. yeah everything is a slogan yeah she persisted oh god uh <laughs> yeah it's like it's like a funny moment just let it be let it go just, just let, let it, it be a funny moment and uh, don't meme it to death <laughs> Then there was this other moment uh, where protesters interrupted uh, the forum to address the plight of black transgender women Mm -hmm. whose murders are reaching epidemic proportions. There have been 18 known murders of black trans women in 2019 so far. During Kamala Harris's town hall, an audience member cried out, 
how do we get those men to stop killing trans women of color? We are hunted. And Harris said, you're right, I hear you. Protesters also interrupted the town hall of Pete Buttigieg shouting trans lives matters and people are dying, do something. Um, so yeah, I thought that was great. I, I, I like the fact that there were protesters there. Like, it's great. We're having an LGBT forum that uh, would never have happened even a handful of mm -hmm. years ago. It's really exciting. Um, whatever you think of Pete Buttigieg, it's exciting that there's an openly gay presidential candidate. Yeah. Uh, even if he's a very milquetoast, uninspired <laughs> one, it's cool that Pete can be openly gay uh -huh. and have like sure. over a million followers on Twitter yeah. and be a serious presidential candidate. Absolutely. Um, but it it's so essential to still have people there who are like, we can go further with this and we right. can do better with this. And we're still like, we, how are we not talking about the epidemic of black trans women being killed? Right. It's, it's a crisis that mm -hmm. we should be talking about every, not just in LGBT forums. We should be talking about it in the other forums as well. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, guys, we're out of time. Wow. Wow. Follow Eric on Twitter at E R E K mm -hmm. underscore Smith. Do you have mm -hmm. anything to plug? Uh, no, not at the moment. Okay. You can tweet me. I'll probably be asleep. Yeah, Eric needs uh, to go home and sleep because I, uh, his life is insane. I am only awake during the nighttime hours. <laughs> <laughs> I am of the night. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Eric is always saying. And I'm like, yeah. I know, you're of the mm -hmm. night. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Kilkenny. You can follow Light Trees and News on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. If you had any thoughts, questions, concerns about today's episode, hashtag Light Trees and Pod. As always, you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. For as little as $5 a month, you get to send questions that will answer on Light Trees and News. You can also just straight up support the show if you, you don't do want that. anything and go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button. Mm -hmm. Every dollar keeps us on the air. That's why you didn't hear any commercials. I don't take advertising money. Wow. Isn't that wild? Brave. At hashtag brave. brave. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody embroider a throw pillow for <laughs> me and sell that shit uh -huh. and then give me the money. Yes. Guys, thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>